Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres are 3-0, and I think it's important that we get out ahead of this now, not get ahead of ourselves or anything, but I'm pretty sure the Sabres are going 82-0 this season. Your thoughts? Well, if they are able to play Vancouver, Montreal, and Arizona 82 times, I will agree. I think they could go 82 and 0. I think it's in the cards. Okay. Okay. I think it could happen. Uh, you never know, man. No, let's it's it, well, it's funny because some people did point out that the Sabres had a, a really weak schedule for the first month. Like they this do. is continuing. It's not over. Like their first 11 games are not obviously they have Boston coming up. That's no uh, picnic, but their first 11 games are not very uh, tough. A couple Detroit's Seattle. They don't look that good so far. Obviously, we've already had these three teams. It's a very friendly start. It is. It is. I actually had tweeted yesterday. I don't know if you saw during the the game that I'm just going to mind my business, enjoy Craig Anderson right now, and then, you know, brace myself for when the regression inevitably hits because he is 41 years old and he looks damn good to start the season. I won't lie, but we know that that's that's coming inevitably. Well, yeah, I don't think he's going to be – I don't think it has to come hard and fast. I think like the, the real thing is him being 41 means he can't play that many games. He definitely can't play back-to-backs, no. which means you're going to have to see a lot of Tokarski who looked fine against Arizona, but come on, you know yeah. what he is. Uh, yeah. Goaltending can be weird. So it wouldn't surprise you. Like what if we get to the end of the year and you have like 45 Anderson starts at nine 15 and then like 30 Tokarski starts at like nine Oh five. And then a few UPL one's mixed in there or, or Dell, but I, I'd rather have UPL, you know, late in the season type of starts mixed in there. And he's at like uh, the nine hundreds fine. Then you wouldn't have had bad goaltending. And the main reason we thought the Sabres could have finished last would have been their bad goaltending. I mean, it still could be, uh, but yeah, the thing is looking at this, this win over Vancouver, they, they went down, they were down two one, obviously no panic. They didn't even seem like they were playing like a team that was down. They just, they kind of still played the same. And Every, I don't, there's a really dumb way of putting it that everyone looks good. Everyone does. Yep. Everyone looks a little bit better than you would expect. Tage Thompson, man, oh my God, looks a lot better than you would expect. Wow. Kyle Oposa Your boy, Tage Thompson. Do you want to talk <laughs> about Tage real quick before we get into some of the other guys? Mm, well, it's we'll worth bring up, talking about. Like, we'll bring up Tage later. I think. All right. All right. 
Tage, Tage is going to come up in this episode. Saving your sweet, sweet boy for later. I get it. Yeah. So then we, you have obviously the um, Theo Poso and Gergensen's line with, with Eakin right now. And Cody Eakin doesn't look bad. That looks good. And then Jeff Skinner scored a really cool goal yesterday. Colin Miller's looked um, like a, a great passer so far. Darlene has looked fantastic. And you didn't even really notice that Yoki Haru and Middlestat were gone. I mean, uh, Colin so. Miller, another one, playing over a point-per-game pace. I'm saying Miller goes for 100 points this year from the blue. <laughs> is he is he at four points in three games right now? Yeah, man, he's got four assists. Wow, good for him. So I don't think uh, – the thing is with the Sabres playing bad teams is that it kind of gets at what we thought before the year, which is the Sabres are kind of a normal, not good team. Now, they might be a little bit better than we thought. Like, so far they have been, but they – like people thought that like being the worst team ever, you don't play games like this. Like I hate to keep bringing it up the tank season, 2014, 15, they had like, I think more than a dozen games during that year where they had under 20 shots. Mm-hmm. They had multiple games earlier. They had like 10, 12 shots. They, they let the other team get 40. Like, I don't know. It'd be a completely normal day to get out shot, like 38 to 24, not out of the ordinary at all. They could get out shot that like, you know, like by this Vancouver team, Every team looks so much better than them because they were. And now that's not the case, obviously. And if they're going to be a little bit better, it's too early to say how long this will last. But it is in some ways a continuation of the end of last season. And the only thing that the only reason that Granado was under 500 as a coach, aside from he took over in the middle of that miserable losing streak, uh, the only reason they didn't finish over 500 in their last 22 games is because of how bad their goaltending was with Hauser and Tokarski. And if Tokarski is going to be a little bit better than he was last year, and Anderson is going to be at least steady then you really, they shouldn't be that bad at all. They should be in, in the seventies, at least points wise. I picked 67 before the year. Cause I, I didn't have any faith in that goaltending, but if they're in like the, the seventies, Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, and obviously we still have our eyes on the future, but. You know. and that's key. And, and to your point too, about just the difference between this team actually looking good in these games as compared to just kind of like stumbling their way into them, because, you know, you've brought up a a lot over the past couple of weeks, the, you know, the 14, 15 team, when they had that like 13 game stretch where, what were they like 10, like one and three and oh, and three and oh, um, that team, their underlying still weren't great. Whereas with this Sabres team, they're pretty damn good. So I just want to like throw, I, I did a little bit of research today on just some of like for shot attempts on how they've been doing this year compared to the rest of the league. And of course, obviously sample size to preface this, like they've only played three games, but they're fifth in shots four per game. They are eighth in short attempts against 16th and four. They're fourth in their short attempt differential, which I think is pretty remarkable. They're second in their close differential for close shot attempts. Sixth from when they're playing from behind their shot differential, which is pretty damn good. Two of their three wins were from behind. So the fact that they're sixth in shot differential when they're playing from behind is pretty remarkable. Like that's good to see. And the one thing that, you know, you would hope it'd be a little bit higher, but when they're ahead, their shot differential is uh, they're in 17th in the league. So you want to see that go up because one of the big issues that we had saw with Ralph Kruger was they would get a lead in the game and it was like they take their foot off the gas. But just in general, though, I mean, I think a lot of this really speaks to Granado's style and the way that he's encouraging them all to play. I think that 
he's allowing them to play more of like a free-formed approach, which is taking a lot of the pressure off. I mean, look no further than Darlene with that. Like we had talked on our last episode that after the first game, he looked really good. But every game this year, the dude has had several wow moments or even just moments where he just makes a really solid, not blowing the roof off kind of play that he wasn't making last year because he was thinking way too much. The, the way that Kruger was trying to get him to play in terms of just like their defensive zone presence and even his presence in terms of bringing the puck up ice and through the neutral zone. I mean, those were things that Kruger would like, would, you know, obviously I'm exaggerate but he like bench him for like he would be all on him about that he wouldn't allow him to do a lot of the things that granado is allowing him to do and so i think that a lot of this is really just a testament to granado because this team is on paper pretty close to last year's team but worse you're missing your top forward you're missing your second best forward and eichel and reinhardt and I will also say though, and Taylor Hall, and Taylor Hall. But on the inverse of that, one other thing, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but another thing that I think is pretty uh, important that we all remember is that we don't have a giant anchor, number 55, in the on the blue line for us this season. And I think that not giving Ristolainen 20 to 25 minutes a night is already paying dividends. Not being able to give him that is already paying dividends. Right. Well, and some, some further good news uh, to the front office uh, continues to fill out, especially on the analytics side. So just before we started recording today, the Sabres hired Dominic Gallimini Jr. as their data scientist. Uh, so according to The Athletic, he'll be working under Sam Ventura. Uh, and he has experience as a manager of research projects for Staffleets, uh, which developed a statistical database that serves all North American hockey leagues. Gailmini's role will be to quantify, evaluate, and project the performance and abilities of players and teams. Keep hiring Italians. That's the move. Keep it going. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Maybe. Maybe we get John Tortorella in here. Yikes. I rescind my statement. Anyways, though. I like it. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I know really anything about him at all, but I think that their head is in the right place in terms of how they're going about identifying their talent. I think just the general hires of Carmanos and Ventura point in that direction. But the fact that they're bringing in somebody who you said he was a data scientist. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like their heads in the right place. This is, this is good. Organizationally, this is exactly what they need to be doing. Just getting more of these people in the room. I, I'm I'm very all about it. I mean, I don't know if you have anything further really to say on it, other than like it's a it's a good move. Not really. I mean, the the front office was like a disaster at this time last year, so it's good that there's an actual front office now, and it seemed like to be hiring smart guys, so that's good. And oh, things are things are getting filled out. I mean, it's it's a minimum, and it's it's a low bar, but we have a full front office. Uh, they seem to have an intelligent way of looking at the draft now. So hopefully we get some picks uh, that pan out past the first round or even in the goddamn first round. I was going to say past the first two picks. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe guys like uh, Isaac Rosine and JJ Paterka are a sign of uh, good things to come. Friends. Yeah. And 
what's the other guy that people are excited about? I I I never pronounce his name. It's like Proltpov. Oh, Pro. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people seem to be excited about him as well. Kiss and like cop. I said, yeah, I like forwards. Forwards are forwards are dope. I like scoring. And this is the hard hitting that. analysis that people listen to us for. Forward yeah, cop, like, man, forwards rule. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's a really stupid hockey thing where they just like look at guys that score a lot at their level. And they're like, eh, they look for something wrong with them. And they look at guys that are like big and don't score a lot. And they look for something right. There's too many scouts that do that. And in, in other sports, it is different. Like scoring a lot in NCAA basketball doesn't necessarily mean shit. Like the, the biggest one of the two of the biggest uh, scorers in NCAA history that have come into the NBA in the past 20 years are Tyler Hansborough and Doug McDermott. Very average guys. Uh, the, the all-time leading NCAA passer for football is Case Keenum. But hockey, you know, if you can score, you're probably able to score at the next level, even if you're small. Being small isn't really a detriment anymore, and you'd think people would know that since it's been 14 and a half goddamn years since Pat Kane got drafted first overall. And I still don't think he's thrown a check in the NHL. But nope. it's worked out. It's worked out well for him somehow. It's incredible. Almost like scoring is a, is a talent that translates. Hey, speaking of that, let's get sad about something. Did you see the athletic did a re-ranking of the 2020 draft class and ranked? Uh, I, 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 I can't what, guess what they guess what they ranked him. I saw the, the link, but I couldn't look at it. I'm going to say he's like in the twenties now. <laughs> 24th Taylor 24th Oof. a year after being drafted. Okay. So there's one, uh, one big miss here. Hey, here's, here's the thing, though, if you want a positive way of looking at this. Potentially. No guarantees yet, obviously. 2008, second round, like the 40th overall pick or 39th overall pick, the Buffalo Bills selected James Hardy. <laughs> God rest his soul. Uh, but in this make me feel better? Yes. In the seventh round of that draft, they selected Stevie Johnson. So it's like if you just reverse that, Stevie Johnson easily, okay. easily are like, I'll take him in the second round for sure. And James Hardy is a seventh round pick. Eh, you took your chance, whatever, on the big guy. So maybe we just look at it in the future as like Paterka got taken that high, but he has a lot of work to do if he wants to earn the spot of like, what, a ninth overall pick? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Essentially, don't know he's going to do that. <laughs> essentially, can this dude outperform Cole Perfetti and Marco Rossi? Oh, no, probably not. So. Yeah. Maybe it'll just look a little less bad. That would have been really cool, though. What? If we had Perfetti and Paterka, you know, or Rossi and Paterka, or Lindell and Paterka, you know, just somebody who's, like, demonstrated that they're good at hockey and can play at the professional level. That'd be nice. You know, the real analogy here, this what it really reminds me of, is the 2013 Bills draft when they took EJ Manuel and everyone was like, why, what immediately everyone was like that, like, this is the, do not take this guy. And then it, it doesn't make up for it, but the consolation is they got Robert Woods, who is good. So hopefully they resigned Paterka after his rookie deals up. Cause I didn't do that for Robert Woods. Anyway. You know, what's funny is that I've been thinking about it too, in terms of the bills. And I kind of love the fact that since Josh Allen worked out, it's going to make, franchises hold on to mediocre quarterbacks for way longer than they should but the problem was that the sabers drafted jack quinn too close to when josh allen was taken and i think that 
they probably are thinking some of the same kind of bullshit with that. Like, oh, he's big and has the intangibles. Let's see if we can mold him into the right kind of player that we want. And uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. So the thing with Josh Allen is that that shouldn't it, it shouldn't make teams do that because if teams are looking at Josh Allen's but trajectory, they will though. Yes, but they can't blame that on Josh Allen because then they're really not paying attention to Josh Allen because Josh Allen was second in MVP voting in his third season. So if someone's not good by their, like, I think it's fine to give a new quarterback three years unless he's a total disaster in those first two, or you can find something better, but like Allen big time, bad rookie season for a lot of reasons, some of which weren't his fault. 2019, they make the playoffs and Josh Allen was improved, especially in the second half of that year, but definitely not uh, to the point where you thought you had a franchise quarterback and then year three. Awesome. So if a team is having a quarterback after year three that doesn't really inspire them, they should not be saying, look at Josh Allen. No, they should. Kind of, Taylor, they should. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should do that. Do There's that. A lot of NFL GMs who listen to the show, man. That's true. Everyone, uh, Zach Wilson needs uh, six, seven years to figure it I out. I think that Zach Wilson needs a lot of time. You know, let him marinate a little bit. And yeah, same thing with Mac Jones. Just let it ride. You know, give him some time. It'll work out five, six years, whatever. Yeah. What do you make Is, of this uh, potential of Deshaun Watson going to Miami? That is desperate. Two has only started like nine games. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's been good in them either, but Jesus, guys. You're going to trade for a guy who has like 22 lawsuits going on right now? Yikes. What if he never plays again? What if he Bye. goes to jail? Mm-hmm. He's being investigated by the FBI. What if he goes to prison or what if he doesn't and he gets hit with a bunch of civil suits and he has to be in court all the time? Or also what if he just gets suspended for two years? This is just football concerns here. I know you don't, no one's taking moral concerns into account if you're even thinking about trading them, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe think about it from the football side. Then if you're not going to do that, good luck, Miami. Yeah. Well, do we want to move on to the next part of the show? Yeah. So what we're going to do here is me and Brendan have 10 total predictions. Well, we have 20 total, I guess, between us. We have 10 predictions each. Uh, five are for the Sabre season and five are for the NHL at large this season. Uh, but we're going to split this into two parts since that might be kind of long. So you'll hear our five NHL uh, ones on Monday and you'll hear the rest immediately. And full disclosure, we are recording this episode on Thursday, so we are not going to be able to cover this weekend's games at all due to the fact that I'm going out of town. So if you're wondering why we aren't talking about the Sabres on Monday, that's why. But we'll be back right to it on Thursday's episode of next week. Yeah. Also, Brennan's lying. It's Wednesday. You're listening to this Thursday. What did I say? You said it was Thursday. It's not Thursday, according to my, uh, my wrist here. I'm all flustered. I'm sorry. Yeah. What are you going to see again? Are you going to see a concert? I'm going to Shaky Knees Music Festival in Atlanta. Ooh. Strokes, Foo Fighters, Run the Jewels. Uh, oh, Run the Jewels. Really? I like Run the Jewels. Oh, yeah. Alice Cooper. Random. Alice Mouse. Cooper? Modest Mouse. Yeah, it's a pretty good lineup. Hey, if you if you meet Alice Cooper or whatever backstage, tell him I liked him in um, Nightmare on Elm Street 6. I will. I'll tell him that after I tell him I liked him in Wayne's World too. So... My only advice uh, about Georgia, you should go. You should go to Zaxby's at some point. Zaxby's, yeah, like a burger place. No chicken. Chicken. Okay, I'm in. 
Yeah, I don't really know a lot about Atlanta. I've heard that the aquarium's pretty sweet, but Ooh. not going to have a ton of time to go. I would love to go check it out. I love a, love a good animal Manatee. viewing. <laughs> Aqu- yeah. I love aquatic animals. I guess. All right. Uh, if we're done with the, uh, the aquatic talk, do you have your first uh, prediction for the Savior season? I do. And this is going to sound like maybe uh, not a good one, but I think for the player, it's, it should be considered a good one. I'm going to say that Casey Middlestat is going to actually, no, this is definitely good. Casey Middlestat is going to score at above a half a point, a game pace for this season. Oh, that's My good. Original prediction that I had was that he was going to score 50 points this year. Even though he's hurt now, he's expected to come back, but you can never really take injuries into account with that sort of thing. So rather than putting a number on it, I want to say that he's going to score above half a point per game this season when healthy. I think that he is going to get all of the opportunities to. We'll see if he ends up going back playing uh, a centering Skinner. But no matter what happens, he's either going to be centering Skinner or Olofsson, one or the other. So he's going to have opportunities to rack up assists. His spot on the first power play unit, I think, is probably very safe. So I think he'll be able to rack up some points that way. He's going to get the ice time. He'll get the opportunities. And I have high hopes for him this season. Yeah. Do we have any timetable at all on him? I think soon. I, I I don't, I mean, Yoki Haru, I know they put on IR, but I think middle stat is only maybe like another week or two out. Okay. Well, you know, Will Busher has not looked bad. So, you know what? I, it's easy to like make the joke I did yesterday, like the ironic, like, Oh, I, but could Michigan beat the Sabres this year? Like some people are saying, always a dumb argument about professional the college sports. The so there's always a, such an easy Trump card. And here's mine. Uh, the Sabres open the season with Will Butcher in the press box. He is the Hobie Baker winner uh, of 2016. So he's better than he was in 2016 when he was the Hobie Baker winner. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I, I've no, because people are like, oh, the Michigan has a bunch of guys who would be NHL stars right now. No, they don't. Otherwise, they'd be in the NHL. If yep. Owen Power, who's their best player, was in the NHL this year, I think he could hold his own. And that's the nicest thing I could say about it. Like 18 year old defenseman. They, there's guys that could put up points, but they would be passengers on lines. I don't know. Look at look at like look at rookies recently. It's so rare for an 18 year old rookie to to put up points. I Lafreniere. I mean, he was what like a third of a point a game player last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Veneers and Kent Johnson aren't keeping up even with the Sabres forward corps either. As unflattering as they are. Yeah. Anyway, back to. Uh, that actually leads into my first pick. The Sabres will not be last. And I was, I would have done this pick if we had done this before this opening three games. Uh, my main reason when I started to think about it over the summer, obviously they could be last. It's not out of the question that they could be last. The first team to be 30th, 31st and 32nd. But I looked at Arizona and I was like, Arizona, a little bit better than the Sabres in terms of their top end guys, like they still have Phil Kessel <laughs> or if we don't really have for any, how long <laughs> that's true. They could just trade him. He want, I think he would want out. I think he'd want to play for a playoff team. Yeah. Uh, but they have, they have the thing we don't have, which is a, a bunch of guys who, or a few guys I should say who shouldn't be in the NHL. Uh, and who knows about their coaching? Who knows at any of that stuff? They have a brand new coach, mm-hmm. but here's one thing I did know about 
Carter Hutton. Oh, God, he's been even worse than I thought. So Arizona's my easy one. The Sabres could be better than Anaheim if John Gibson's, you know. Anaheim's look good so far. They have, but the we'll Sabres could be. how that goes, but. Yeah, the Sabres could still finish ahead of Detroit. There's a few teams they could finish ahead of. Shit, they're going to finish ahead of Montreal. We'll get, Montreal has like, they was announced today Shea Weber probably won't play this year and might never play again. Mm-hmm. Price, I think Price is ahead of the Sabres, personally. Detroit? Yeah, I do. Hmm. I trust it's, their goaltending more with... Uh, that's true. Their goaltending is more trustworthy. And, I mean, so far it's been early, but Cider and Raymond both look good for them. They have Larkin. You know, I don't think they're going to be great. I think Detroit's going to be picking in the top 10, but I think that I, I feel like they're going to finish ahead of the Sabres. I would say they're likely to. Also, is Ottawa... Ottawa's on our radar, right? They're better than us, talent-wise, but they should be on the radar. Like, these are teams you could finish ahead of. Yeah. Anyway, my point is they just won't be last. If they get so They might be last in the East, though. Who knows? Yeah. I, I have a hard time thinking that, I don't know, I think Arizona, the Carter Hutton move, it's just like you got to tip your hat to them. That is just such a brilliant, brilliant move. <laughs> it was well done. I, I can't even be mad about it. I, like, laugh when I think about it because it's like, damn, Arizona, like, you guys really did think ahead about this. You really want Shane Wright. You're going to put your fans through 50 games of Carter Hutton. They want this. They want I mean, more than we do. They could still end up fourth and a lot. Third, third's le- the worst they can be a third. They could end up third still. Oh, yeah. I mean, but you guarantee yourself that top three spot, I guess, in this draft. Everyone's excited about a lot of guys. So, Next what's your drafts? Se- yeah. Yeah. What's your second one? My second one is I, this is another one I had put on Twitter, not too groundbreaking or anything like that, but I'm going to say that Jeff Skinner is going to score 20 goals this year. I think between finally getting first play power, ah, first unit power play time, along with getting top line minutes, I feel pretty confident in that. I think that He's a very streaky scorer, as we've seen pretty much through his time as the, with the Sabres and throughout his career. And I think that he's going to have every opportunity to go on runs and he's going to get the minutes. He's good in front of the net. We saw that the other night with his or with his goal against um, against Vancouver, which was beautiful, like really, really nice goal. And yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm curious to see between Cousins and Middlestat, which of the two is going to make him tick a little bit more. Um, cause I think both can in very different ways. Cousins is more of the play, like driving, like drive to the net type, whereas middle stat, pretty solid distributor. He's got good hands, good shot too. So both, I think give Skinner ample opportunities to succeed in front of the net, which is where he makes his money. So I'm going to go Jeff Skinner scoring 20 goals. What do you got? Uh, I agree with you. I think you will, if he stays healthy and continues to play the power play and maybe even over time. Um, my uh, my one is, is about our good friend, the big boy. The big boy. Tage Thompson, before this season, had 35 points in 145 career games. But this year, he will at least double his career point production, which means he'll have at least 35 points. Wow. Look back you. You've come around on him. That Kind of. Not really. <laughs> um, this is partially inspired by the first three games, but it's also like – 
Tage is going to be like like Jeff Skinner is. He's going to have ample opportunities. Right. They're putting him at center. They want this to make this work. At the very least, they want to see what they have in him if, mm-hmm. if this can work at all. Uh, and maybe it will. I don't know. I he's been underwhelming, but the main thing with him, the the big thing, is that he hasn't played a full season, like ever. Yep. For various reasons, mostly because he hasn't been capable of doing that. And last year, obviously, isn't really a full season either. So he doesn't need to play the full 82 games, but he'd have to be pretty close to that if he wants to get 35 points. Or oh, maybe, no, who knows? Maybe he's just going to score like this all year. He's just yeah, going to keep putting him away. But yeah, <laughs> the thing is that the positive, the reason why everyone looks pretty good is because it seems like they have a pretty good coach. So that leads me to believe that Tage could have a 35-point season without necessarily being a full-time or, or really worthwhile long-term NHLer, but bold predictions. That's why these are bold predictions. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say too, you know, one of the things that really has stood out and not to use like a sports cliche or anything like that, but like the guys on this team are not the most talented, but it really seems like they just work their ass off for Granado. Like they try really, really hard. And I know that that sounds kind of like basic and ridiculous, but it's it's different than past years i i don't think it's sustainable by any means but like these dudes are working their tails off for him and it's exciting to see it's entertaining at the very least so yeah you know what else is uh you know what else is uh exciting what's that this offer from DraftKings sports wow the segway king over here (laughs) so nfl fans hungry for a, a big win this week and the bills bye week DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you can win $200 in free bets. Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. Just like Brendan uh, at Zaxby's this weekend. If Sportsbook. Say, you call me simple? No. It's that simple, like Brendan. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. That's good. That's real nice. <laughs> great is it oh, a DraftKings promo or shit on brendan promo <laughs> so well, why not <laughs> why not both if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit so just download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code thpn that's the hockey podcast network Bet just $5 in any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. $1, or excuse me, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Brendan, what is your third prediction for the Sabre season? Your third bold prediction? Well, like Taylor, my next prediction is the worst. Uh, anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I just was referencing the, the, the scrumptious dinner you're going to have yeah. at some point this weekend. I wasn't referencing the simple thing. Why would I have said Brendan Work on this your weekend? grammar, bro. <laughs> All right, my next prediction I have is Rasmus Dahlin is going to lead this team in points by the end of the season. With over 50. Yep. 
if he stays healthy, I say Darlene is going to score. I'm not going to say 60, but I think he scores over 50 points, and I think he will lead the team in points. He has looked really good so far. I think that, you know, one of the big things that we've talked about, and not to sound like a broken record, but it's just getting him back to the skill set and the abilities that have gotten him to this point in his career right now, which is leaning into his offensive instincts and his talents with the puck on his stick. I think Granado knows that. I think that Granado knows how to maximize his talent and knows how to maximize just his value while being on the ice on both ends of the ice for that matter. But in the offensive end, particularly, I think between the power play time, between the heavy minutes that he will eventually be getting this season as the year goes on, I'm going to, I'm going to say boldly Darlene 50 points this year and will lead the Sabres in points. Wow. Wow. Big stuff. You know, if Darlene, if he if he ever is like a Norris candidate or something like that, do you think someone would ever write a like parody of Jolene with his name in it? Why don't we do that? Yeah, I'm I'm the songwriter in this group, so I'll, I'll do it. You, you are perform. you are the musician. Didn't your brother have a really good one too for? Uh, what, oh, what? Uh, love love Sosa remix for Vinny Henestrosa. <laughs> Okay, we need to do both of these. Everybody, those are intellectual property. Please do not take that from us. Taylor, I will don't take it from Taylor, obviously, as Taylor being the, the singer-songwriter of the of the duo of us. That's true. People call me the Rick Rubin of Western New York. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I'm happy about it. I would so be too. my third prediction is also about right. That's just because of the beard, though, right? Yeah, and because of how I'm 68 years old. Yeah. So um Rasmus Dahlin will hit 150 career points before the end of the season what is he at right now in the low 100s which means he'll be at least in the 40s this year which I thought I know like he had 44 his rookie year and then 41 in only like 60 something games his second year but uh he's not playing power play time with Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt anymore so I my thought was it would be kind of hard for him to get points this year even if he played really well and I still think that actually Mm-hmm. I think uh, this team isn't going to score very much, but hopefully it doesn't get scored on as much. That sounds, you know, no, it makes sense. That's obvious. Uh, really what, they, what they've been good at, especially aside from getting pretty timely goals is preventing the other team from having good opportunities, which Hey, in turn can make your goaltending look better, especially if your goaltending isn't up to snuff. So still though, I think it's, bold to say Dowling will be in the 40s even healthy and whatever so if he gets 150 career points 150 career points for a defenseman who's been quote-unquote disappointing and had to play through the COVID shortened seasons and he's not even 22 yet wow that'd be big I'll take that'd it. be something yep but uh yeah so what's your fourth one number four for me is about Rasmus Asplund so before the season Rasmus Asplund of course had signed a two-year contract extension with the Sabres and I think that Asplund is going to show out and play well enough this year that he will end up getting maybe not this offseason, but the following offseason, he's going to earn himself a contract extension and he's going to be here, I will say, beyond four years from now. Wow. Well, so what? Is, so beyond like 2025 risky. or 2026? 2025, he'll be here past, I bet. Okay. Yeah, I know that's risky when it comes to like bottom six guys because they could be pretty interchangeable. But I think 
I've liked what I've seen from him so far. I think he took a massive step last season as compared to his rookie year. And he's, I mean, I, the two game I watched the Vancouver game from home, but there was just a lot of little things in seeing him play in person. Um, especially in transition too, that I was just like very impressed by. And I think that that's kind of a key part of his game anyways, is kind of being like a really steady, solid two-way guy. But yeah, I think Asplund is going to be a nice little, uh, nice little piece for them moving forward. And I think and when the time comes that they're eventually good, he will be a really, really, really good fourth liner. Asplund and Mark Pezik on the same team. It's amazing. All we need now is Dmitry Kulikov for the hat trick. Oh, hell yeah. Bring him back. Folks are bringing him back. We are. Now, what about this for Asplund? What do you, you know? Because the, the Sabres all have their own goal songs this year, so they, we could, they could just have all parody goal songs. Uh, what about uh, for WWF fans from 20-plus years ago? Remember the New Age Outlaws? Badass Billy Gunn used to come out to his song called I'm an Ass Man. Oh, okay. So I don't know how that would work out for Asplund. Back but that ass something. up, but like back that Asplund? Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, we're working on it. You could wear the uh, the shorts that Billy Gunn wore that said Mr. Ass on them on little lips. I feel like we're like... R- wrestling was so cool in the late 90s. <laughs> so true, so true. I feel like while we're recording this episode, though, like on a parallel track, we're also planning our debut parody album, and I'm kind of into it. Oh, hell yeah. The Lonelier Island. <laughs> there we go. It's got a good ring to it for sure. You got for your next one. Uh, Don Granado will pass Ron Rolston in most uh, in uh, coaching wins for the Sabres by Thanksgiving and Ralph Kruger by season's end. Wow. Uh, that's those aren't super bold, but they would have seen bold last week. Well, what are the numbers then just for context? So he needs eight more wins to pass Rolston. So they need to win eight more times before Thanksgiving and to pass Kruger. I don't have the exact number in front of me. Not that many, but he, I think actually the Kruger one, I, man, the Kruger one, I wrote it because Kruger, they'll have coached a similar number of games, I think through two years. Probably really close. Yeah. But Kruger, his entire first year had a playoff caliber team, but goaltending and coaching, Uh, a lower end playoff caliber team, I should say. And then I had Eichel, Hall, Reinhardt, all that stuff. Darlene, whereas Granado is absolutely uh, took over in the middle of the worst losing streak ever and had to finish out the last 20 games of this meaningless COVID season. And then this year is very much rebuilding with a 41-year-old goalie and an AHLer and all these random pretty okay guys and young guys. So I think it'd be impressive if he could do that by the end of the year. And I was looking at it and I was like, man, if, if – Granado could be really high on the Sabres all-time coaching wins list really quickly. Do you know who third all-time is? I assume you know who top two are. Third. Mm. Is it Ted Nolan? Uh, yeah. Is it? Nice. <laughs> Ted Nolan's third. Wow. He coached here four years and we missed the playoffs in three of them. Granado, man, he'll be climbing up. Yeah, good lord. Yeah, a couple good seasons, and he'll be right behind. I mean, he could just pass Ted Nolan in a few years. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Crazy shit. I want to get ahead of ourselves, but it really wouldn't be that hard for him to be the winningest post Lindy coach. No. No, definitely not. Are you kidding? 
not e- yeah that is that will not be a difficult feat to to reach anyways so what's your fifth one my fifth one is less like statistically based and more just like a vibes thing i think we're going to be pleasantly surprised with the return that we get from will butcher at the deadline i think going into this year we literally got will butcher for nothing and so far again he's only played two games but i think he's looked good in both of them um playing you know going from not playing at all to then playing on the top pairing for the team and i think that He's going to get opportunities as well. It's kind of the case with all these guys, you know, and and I could have said anybody else. I could have said Hina Stroza, you know, any of these other guys too, who are are newer and, you know, going to get opportunity, but I actually, everybody on the team is going to get opportunities if we're being honest, but I think with butcher, he's got the name value. He's got a little bit of a track record too, where, you know, he's a, he's a known name. And if people see that he's putting up decent points, like say, optimistically if he has like 20 points by the trade deadline i think you end up getting a nice return for him potentially people teams are always looking to load up on defense there's always a couple of teams that are thin on the blue line and i think that by the time the deadline rolls around when he inevitably ends up getting traded we will all be kind of like hey that's a pretty good return there's good times hanging with that guy for 30 games or whatever what about robert hag um locking him in the brig no 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 return you don't think no i don't know i mean he's got to play now i mean he i know he's got to play i i am more inclined to think the wheels will fall off with hag as compared to they would with butcher i think that butcher at least has the ability like his skating helps him a lot too and just that he's a little bit more offensive minded and if he's gonna get any time on the second power play unit opportunity there i mean you're playing with darlene so that in and of itself is going to give you opportunities to rack up some points whether it's secondary assists or what have you but i think hag i'm just really not thrilled about honestly he's looked fine next to pissick but i think that's more about pissick being good um i mean i i don't know i i really don't think very much at all of robert hag if i'm being honest maybe we'll get like a mid-round pick or something like that or he's like used as like a throw-in with something um but really don't have much expectation for whatever we would end up getting as a return for him hmm all right so my uh my fifth pick give it to me uh i think the sabers are going to get more goals from guys born in the 2000s than guys born in the 80s damn okay Right now, the only guy I see really scoring from the 80s is Oposo. Mm-hmm. I don't really think I'm who missing Who the hell anything. else do they even have on the team besides him and who was born at Eakin? Like, well, else? hold on. Let me, let me look up Eakin because I I actually don't know. The what, two Craig goalies, Anderson about to start scoring goals from down the other end of the ice? But granted, Tokarski, he was born in like the 30s. But <laughs> Tokarski is, uh, is an 80s guy. Shout out to all our listeners in their 40s. I'm sorry. I'm just being a dick. You know, Cody it's like 90s. that one tweet. Cody Eakin is only 31. Or sorry, really? Co- hold on. No, 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 no. Cody Eakin is 30. <laughs> okay. Wow. I've seen better looking 30-year-olds. Sorry, Cody. As have I. And also, I just got to say, too, that my little dig before is just a reference to that tweet where it's like sports announcers talking about players who are 35 years old still playing in their respective league. And it's like, what a miracle. Unbelievable <laughs> for this guy. <laughs> Um, 
Did I bring, yeah, didn't we talk about this on a recent episode, actually, that tweet? I don't know. I don't or did you so. and I just talk about that recently? Not me. I don't know why I feel like I talked to you, but I don't know. Anyways, though, carry on. So that there's not many 2000s guys either. Middlestat's a 90s guy whenever he's back, but Cousins is a 2000s guy. So I think it's interesting. So what, basically what I'm saying is the Sabres, regardless of what their lineup looks like now, are going to have more goals from guys who are 21 and younger than they will for guys that are 32 and older. But again, is that just come down to like a pozo? On the, the current way things are uh, constructed, it's basically like Opozo versus Cousins. Interesting. Well, God, I hope that Cousins ends up with more points than Opozo. No, uh, goals. Or goals, either way. Points yeah, still we'll, stands. We'll see. I don't, you, don't, you don't know how things are going to change throughout the year, but what if Stephen Fogarty comes back? Was that guy born in the 80s? He might have been. He could. He could. Probably not, but I, I'm fine without that. Yeah, without – Rock legend John Fogarty leading the way for us. Yeah, fine with me. Well, anyway, that's it for for this part. Uh, tune in Monday for our five bold NHL wide predictions. Oh yes, everybody! Very exciting stuff coming. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of those both the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo on their respective websites and on your streaming platform of choice and make sure you're following them on social media as well. And speaking of social media, make sure you're following yours. Truly. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at straight up sabers and on Twitter at straight sabers. Again, as Taylor had said before, we'll be back with a new episode on Monday detailing our predictions for the NHL as a whole. So thank you all very much for tuning in to this episode of straight up sabers. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>